Pastor Xavier Reese makes this observation regarding a wavering walk of faith. Listen, the important thing is not to try to get God on my side, but that I get on God's side. I want God on my side so I can get what I want and so I can win. I am to be on God's side to watch Him win. There's a difference. If we don't align ourselves with God, we're in sin. God's against us. He's not for us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Some athletes, faced with the intense scope of competition, have unfortunately turned to steroids for help, for an edge. And likewise, sometimes well-meaning people turn to religious helps, thinking that they'll assist them in becoming more spiritual. Well, Pastor Xavier says there's only one thing that will bring you closer to the Lord, and that's obedience to His Word. Let's listen more as he brings us back to the book of Joshua for today's Simple Truths. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verse 1 through 15. The message is entitled, The Secret to Be Conquerors. The prerequisites before the conquest of Jericho are as follows. The recommitment to circumcision, the covenant of God, verse 1 through 9. The recommitment to the Passover of God, verse 10 through 12. And their recommitment to the leading of God, verse 13 through 15. These were absolute requirements before they could become conquerors of the land. Notice their recommitment to circumcision. The covenant of God was a foundation. This represents the cutting away of the flesh life. An outward physical surgery to demonstrate the evidence of the heart. The command came from God in verse 2 and 3. The vulnerability of the men during this surgical procedure. The enemy could have come out and killed them all. It was God's timing. How often it makes no sense to us when God says now. And you go, not now. Yes, now. Or God says, not now. And you say, why not now? <laughs> Their trust in God after the surgery is evident to protect them. They left themselves vulnerable here. Until they were healed. Their enemies is before them. God delivered us from Egypt, through the Red Sea, across the Jordan in flood season. This is a piece of cake. Let's do it. <laughs> the circumcision of the Christian is that of the heart. We're not under the physical surgery. Acts 15, the first church council, there was a debate about what they're going to do with these Gentiles. And the Jews tried to lay a heavy trip on keeping the law. Uh, circumcision was a key issue, but it was never even discussed. At the end, they said, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that no greater burden be placed upon them except they keep themselves from blood, strangled things, and idols, and that they do this, and fornication. They do well. Be careful of the rituals that will entrap you to give you false assurance that you're a Christian or you're being obedient to God. Oh, I've been baptized. Oh, I, I go to church always. Or, you know, I, I've, I've, I've done this thing and whatever it is. The rituals mean nothing if there's no real activity going on in my life regarding faith and trusting God. Paul the Apostle in Romans 2, 25 through 29 makes this perfectly clear. 
He says, you know, those Jews that are circumcised, if they're not living unto God, God looks upon their circumcision as uncircumcision. And those men who are not circumcised as Gentiles, and if they're living to God in faith through Christ, then God looks upon them as the true circumcision because he looks at the circumcision of the heart. So in other words, be careful of rituals that you're looking to give you assurance that you are a Christian, that you are trusting God. Make sure that it's happening in your heart. That's the main thing. God required the recommitment to circumcision, the covenant of God. The covenant of God. Notice secondly here, the recommitment to the Passover of God in verse 10 through 12. Verse 10, the people commemorate their past deliverance. They were the people of God, the covenant of God. They had crossed over the Jordan in faith. Now they were consecrated people of God through the circumcision, through all the males. The date's even given to us here, exact date. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight, which is April. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 through 6 gives us that. Forty years to the day they had been delivered from Egypt. They were celebrating, looking back. They were saying, as we trusted God in Egypt for the blood to protect us, we are trusting God to protect us now as a consecrated people. They kept the Passover on the plain of Jericho. Notice, they were declaring to their enemies their dependency upon God once again for protection. And so this is the third time that they had partaken the Passover. The first one again in Egypt, Exodus 12, verse 1 through 6. The night before they left, the second time we find is recorded in Numbers 9, 5, right there in the wilderness of Sinai. And throughout the entire wilderness journey, they did not celebrate the Passover. Why? Because they were living an uncircumcised life in the flesh. You cannot partake of the Passover in the flesh. God will strike you dead. They forgot soon the works of God. Psalm 106 says, verse 13 and 21, how easy it is to forget as I told you. We remember the leeks, the onions, and we forget the whip. Hmm. Notice that the people celebrate their present rest now. This second generation entered into the land, the promised land of milk and honey. They mixed what they heard with faith. The first generation, that's where they missed it. Remember Hebrews chapter 4? They Heard, but they didn't mix it with faith, so they wandered for 40 years the death march. They experienced freedom from the wilderness life now, these ones. They had crossed the Jordan. They were no longer in the wilderness. They ate of the produce of the land the day after the Passover, it says in verse 11. They ate unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day, celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is from the 15th of April to the 22nd, the very day after Passover, Exodus 12 and Leviticus 23 tells us that in many other passages. Notice verse 12. The people then consummated a sample of their future provision. They witnessed the cessation of manna. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. God had miraculously provided for them for 40 years this bread from heaven, the Psalms tell us. God didn't need to provide man anymore. He was going to provide through the natural means. They witnessed the faithfulness of God's promise then. Look at verse 12. Now they're in the land. They're eating the produce. God now provided the wealth of the land. The people had planted these 
vineyards, barley, wheat, everything. The barns were full. Cities were built, and God warned them in Deuteronomy, when you go in and you get the full barns and you walk in and you take all that stuff, remember, you didn't plant them, you didn't dig them, you didn't bring them in, I gave them to you. Oh, be careful you don't forget what God gives to you. As you get older, as you get wiser, as you walk with God and he blesses you, don't ever forget he has given it to you. Hang on to everything, real light. It's all his. Use it. Be careful you not live for it. Because in one second, it's all gone. <laughs> it's like shaft. Gone. I start thinking, yeah, boy, I just, you know, I've put in my time. I just, I deserve this. And then God says, <clears throat> you deserve hell. Oh, that's right, Lord. You're so good. Thank you very much. Thank you, you delivered me. Bring me back to the basics. Oh, yes. Like W.C. Fields says, it's all coming back to me now. Yes. <laughs> Reflection is important. It brings us back to reality. Examination by recognizing and confessing my sins to God that I may continue in fellowship with him. Lest God chasten me. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to 30, Paul says, some of you have partaken unworthily, you're sick, and some of you God has killed and taken home. Pretty heavy. Examination is very important. Keeping my accounts short. Expectation, looking forward to the day when I partake in the communion with the Lord in the kingdom. Luke 22, 15 through 16. Can't wait for that day. You see the believers to live in the present rest of the finished work of Jesus Christ then. Jesus is the bread sent from heaven, the bread of life, John 6, 32 through 37. I feed off him. He makes me grow. He makes me strong. He's the one we have to cease from our works, and that's why we come, our burdens, through the invitation he gives us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, All you who labor and are heavy laden, come. I will give you rest. I rest in him. The burdens of life, the difficulties of life, I rest in him. I cast him at his feet. As I take him upon myself and lose the peace that is so available to me. He's my high priest before the Father, making intercession as Hebrews 7, 24 through 25 and many other passages in the book of Hebrews says. 1 Timothy 2, Five, same thing. Each of us as believers partakes every day of a sample of the future glory of Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? We hear and speak to us as we read the word of God. One day you're going to hear his voice say, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> you're getting a sample of it right now. We're comforted by him in our disappointments, and there are many. In our hurts, they will come, they will go. He's the God of all comfort. He directs us, he guides us. He anoints us, he calls us, he equips us. A sample of what will happen when we're with him. He imparts to us knowledge and wisdom for the situations of life and those things that we can never do on our own. And he's faithful every time. A sample of what is going to be ultimate when we're with him. He opens doors, he closes doors. He says, stop, don't go there. A sample. 
these are but some of the benefits that we get as the first fruits of the resurrection when we're with him. Listen to Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Hmm. God required the recommitment to the Passover of God. Then thirdly, the recommitment to the leading of God in verse 13 through 15. Notice first in verse 13, Joshua inquires to see if a man he sees is from God. Joshua goes out on a reconnaissance to check out Jericho. God has not told him how he's going to take Jericho yet. So he's out there using good common sense, He's not becoming presumptuous, and he's checking out the city. Whoa, those big walls. Ooh, how many gates? One, two, how many sentinels? You know, and he's checking it out. It's reconnaissance. And as he's doing that, he sees this man. Joshua lifts his eyes and looks, only to see this man standing opposite of him with his sword drawn. The man's ready to fight. He's fit for warfare. Joshua doesn't know who he is. And so the general Joshua is watching that man to see what he should do. What decisions should he make? You know, Joshua's not the only guy who has seen this guy. You remember Balaam, the prophet? An angel of the Lord there with his sword drawn and the donkey saved his life? <laughs> Here we have the same guy again, his sword drawn. Joshua went to him. And he asked him, are you for us? Or for our adversaries. Joshua acted so courageous. Don't miss this. He's out there alone. This guy's drawn with a sword. And he goes up to him. He's not fearful. He's not dismayed. He's being very courageous according to the exhortation of chapter one of his commission. Wow. He's ready to confront and engage this man, his enemy. In battle. Why? Because he has been an obedient servant, learning day after day in consistent obedience. He can handle this thing. Notice verse 14, Joshua bows now in submission to God. The man tells Joshua, no. This is the answer to the question. No, I'm not for your adversaries. This must have brought great relief to Joshua <laughs> as well as confirmation of God's faithfulness. But I think that this no should also be taken as an answer for Joshua and Israel. No, I'm not for your adversary. But no, I'm not for you or Israel. Listen. He says that he is the commander of the Lord. The important thing is not to try to get God on my side as commentators have stated but did I get on God's side you understand I want God on my side so I can get what I want and so I can win I am to be on God's side to watch him win there's a difference if you don't believe me when we get to chapter 7 we're going to find out when Achan takes the accursed thing God wasn't for them God was against them now why sin has entered if we don't align ourselves with God, we're in sin. 
God's against us. He's not for us. You understand? It's very clear through Scripture. Holiness and obedience go together. They were defeated until they took care of that. The man in verse 14 then says, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. He was a captain of the Lord's army, Yahweh, referring to the angels, not Israel. The army is the angels. He is the captain of the armies of heaven. He would use nature, as we'll see later on in chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, and other passages. God stops the sun. He brings down hailstones from the, from the sky. He uses nature. And so Joshua falls on his face to the earth, and what does he do? Listen, he worships God. The very posture of Joshua tells us that this man is no one other than God. Worship is ascribed only to God. Angels cannot be worshipped. Angels, in fact, say, don't worship me. Revelation 19.10, John falls on his face and the angel says, get up and get me in trouble. I'm an angel. I'm a servant of God. Don't worship me. Worship God. Ooh, good. How many people worship angels today, saints and virgins and everything else? Listen, you worship Jesus Christ and no one else. Joshua was the general of the armies of Israel, but Jesus was God. <laughs> he calls the shots. This is a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus Christ prior to the incarnation. There are many in the Old Testaments. We have him in uh, Genesis 18 when um, he appeared to Abraham. Uh, there were three angels. One of them was God. Then the other two went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? It's very clear it was God as he speaks to him. We have the appearance of, of God in the person of Jesus Christ to Hagar in Genesis 21. We also have the appearance of Jesus Christ with Jacob as he wrestled with him all night in Genesis 32. Judges 6, 12 through 18, we have the appearance of Jesus Christ to Gideon. We have the appearance of Jesus Christ to Samson's parents in Judges 13 and many, many others. And so Joshua says to him, what does my Lord Say to his servant. Notice the response. Once he knows he's God, first he bows. He worships. Then he says, what do you want me to do? I'm your servant. They go hand in hand. Joshua entrusts himself to the service of God in submission to his orders. Joshua had one more confirmation of God right here. Being what? Being with him. That's why he's not afraid. God had told him already that he was going to be with him. Every time Joshua gets to a new difficult point, God gives confirmation. That is what he does in your life and has done in your life and in mine. Every time he lets us go until it's right time, then he confirms how he's in my life. Genesis 15.1, Abraham was afraid that the kings were going to gang up on him. And he says, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. A shield is a great instrument of war in the ancient days. They used to fear Rome because they're big shields. They would put them in a line and all hide behind them to stop the arrows. God is your shield. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> An exceeding great reward. Notice verse 15. Joshua acknowledges his obedience before God. The commander of the Lord's army, Jesus Christ, told Joshua here to take his sandals off his feet. The place where he stood was holy. These are the very same words that God told Moses in the mountain, Exodus 3, 5. 
The holdings of the ground is due to the fact that God was present, not the ground itself. This was the captain of the armies of Israel. Joshua knew that God would be with him as he'd been with Moses, as he told him in chapter 3, verse 7. Once again, a confirmation, God is so good. The servant Joshua did so, a sign of obedience, reverence, worship, a sign of servanthood. You can't miss them. Servanthood is all that the Christian is to know. There's no other type. And so today, more than ever, we need to try the spirits. Are you for us or are you the Lord? Are you of the Lord? First <laughs> John 4, 1, try the spirits. Today, some people are doing things in the church and teaching that are contrary to the scriptures. And though their experience seems to be valid and authentic, the authenticity of your experience or belief must always be verified by the scriptures. If what you say or teach or experience is contrary to the word or in addition to the word, you're wrong. The word is the standard. You see, the submission of the believer for warfare is wisdom depending on God for him to fight on our behalf. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18 gives you the warfare. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against principality, powers, and dominion of darkness, so on and so forth. He gives you the whole armor. He fights our battles. Listen to um, Hebrews 2.10. The captain of the army of heaven, the host, is often the title of the Old Testament for Yahweh and the angels. And yet Hebrews 2.10 says, Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. What does my Lord want me to do? Paul said when he was arrested on the road to Damascus. The first thing, just like Joshua, on his face asking, I'm your servant. You remember the army that surrounded the house of Elisha in 2 Kings 6? And Gehazi woke up in the morning, saw him all. He said, oh, alas, my Lord, we're dead. And the prophet says, Lord, open this guy's eyes. And he saw all the cherubs, all the angelic hosts. And he says, those that are with us are more than those that are with him. Remember one angel went out to wipe out 185,000 Assyrian Jews? They're his ministers to do his bidding. Psalm 103, 21 says, praise him all his hosts, 148, 2 Psalms. The angels. And so obedience to acknowledge the holiness of God is a foundation for all future victories and conquest. Obedience and holiness. Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of of God. Ephesians 4.24 And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. What should we say about Hebrews 12.14? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no man will see God. God required their recommitment to the leading of God. And so here you have the prerequisites prior to the conquest of Jericho, the, re the recommitment to circumcision, the covenant of God, the cutting away from the flesh life, the recommitment to the Passover of God, recognizing God had delivered them, 
and the recommitment to the leading of God. They were to follow. I think that still applies to us, doesn't it? It's just good, sound wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder of what steps we must take in order to draw nearer to God. Now, you can also request a copy of today's moving message from the book of Joshua titled, The Secret to Be Conquerors. We're making them available for just $4 upon request. And make sure you pass a copy along to someone who could use some encouragement right about now. The title to ask for once again is, The Secret to Be Conquerors. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more encouragement as we continue through our studies from the book of Joshua. That's right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.